Two years after an Indian baby was taken from her parents by German Youth Services after allegations of abuse, the government is taking political heat with the opposition calling for the baby's return to India. What are the government's diplomatic options when Indians are kept in custody of different kinds abroad? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. Now this week we are looking closer at one part of consular diplomacy. Remember at Worldview we have spoken in the past about the challenges of bringing home Indians during conflicts abroad. This time we are looking at how the Ministry of External Affairs and Indian embassies abroad deal with the cases of Indians being kept in custody. Not all of them are innocents abroad but the government is bound to help all of its citizens to return. The German ambassador to India was summoned earlier this week. So this week, it was a two-year-old child, baby Ariha Shah, as she's called, who was in the spotlight as members of parliament demanded that the government take up the case at a higher level. The Ministry of External Affairs said it had summoned the German ambassador to demand that the child, who has been at a German foster home since September 2021, be returned to India. About 60 members of parliament across party lines also wrote to the German ambassador over the issue, basically making the case that it doesn't matter whether the child comes home to the parents or to the extended family or to a foster family, but she must be raised in India. That's her cultural right as an Indian citizen. So let's just tell you more about this case because it is quite a unique case. In September 2021, German Youth Services, they're also called Jugendamt, took Ariha Shah, she was then seven months old, away from her parents, Dhara and Bhavesha, who were living in Berlin at the time, working there. A hospital had documented injuries on the baby of what it said it suspected was deliberate physical abuse. Uh, they alerted child services. Now, the Shahs have denied any abuse. They've said that the injuries that they had taken her to hospital for were accidental and then came to India to start a campaign for their child to be returned. In December 2022, External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar actually took this up. He brought up the case during his meetings with German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock. Here's what he said. Uh, a specific issue uh, which uh, came up, uh, some of you may be familiar with this case. Uh, this relates uh, to a child called Ariha Shah. Uh, so uh, we have concerns that the child should be in her uh, linguistic, religious, cultural and social environment. This is her right, uh, and uh, our embassy is pursuing the matter with German authorities, but it was also a subject which uh, I had uh, brought up uh, with the minister. And this was the German foreign minister's response, not extremely hopeful. Children are only taken in custody by the youth office um, if there are serious concerns about their well-being, for example, violence, sexual abuse, or severe neglect. So... As has been said by the, my distinguished colleague, it is about privacy rights as well. So we cannot say more at this point. The case is still pending in court. And after the verdict, of course, there can be a review. But for us, what is most important, the first priority is the well-being of the child. Right. And then in June this year, the court did give that verdict she was speaking about, but that verdict was against the parents. The court gave the full guardianship of the girl, now two and a half years old, 
two youth services there, which means that she would be brought up in a foster home in Germany until she's an adult. The verdict is now being appealed by the parents. It could take a long time. And given the severity of the injuries and of the charges against them, this is going to be an uphill task. So the question really, diplomatically, what are the government's options? Uh, the first is really that the government could stay out of the case, help the parents with their appeals, but allow the German legal system to take its course. But according to that, Ariha will stay in Germany for several years at least. The second option, the government could escalate the matter, make it a diplomatic issue. And uh, you saw that they summoned the ambassador, then they could proceed to other diplomatic measures, including freezing bilateral ties. Has this happened before? We've seen at least two or three high-profile cases of the kind. One with Denmark after it refused to extradite a Danish pilot at the time, Kim Davy, who had admitted to flying his plane uh, that dropped a massive tranche of weapons in Purulia, very famous case of the time in the 2000s. The government froze all high-level contact from 2010 to 2016. They also stopped the ambassador from meeting with any officials in Delhi. So that's one example of a diplomatic freeze in this case. Uh, the other was actually in reverse with the Italian Marines, if you remember, after two Italian Marines were arrested for killing Indian fishermen off the Kerala coast in 2012. Ties between India and Italy really took a nosedive. Governments negotiated the case. Uh, Italy took the case to the International Court of Justice, but India lost over there. In the meanwhile, there was a freeze of several years. It's understood that Italy even voted against India at multilateral fora, like the MTCR, the Missile Technology Control Regime, in 2014 because of the case. They wanted the Italians to be returned back home, and they did go back eventually. A third such case, and many make the comparison with this German case as well, was from Norway in the case of the Chakrabartis, where both their children were taken away from them by Norway's child services over allegations of abuse, some kind of physical manhandling by the parents. After a lot of pressure from India, Norway's government agreed to transfer the children's custody, not to the parents, but to the extended family of the children in India. So the third option for the government really is that one, to take it up at the highest levels. Uh, remember, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz will be in Delhi in September for the G20 summit. Members of parliament have actually asked Prime Minister Modi to take up the case with him, although it's still unclear whether the case was taken up when Scholz visited Delhi in February earlier this year. The, the foreign secretary simply said that the Indian embassy in Berlin is dealing with the German government over this. The fourth option for the government is, as Italy did, take it to an international court, some kind of an arbitration. Uh, the Italian government did it with the Marines case and whether India could pursue that as well. The fifth option, the government could negotiate with the German government, also with the youth services, to ensure, and this is what I was speaking about, that the child's custody is transferred to a foster home in India with oversight by German authorities, as they were able to do in the case with Norway. Now, clearly, this case is in the headlines. But every day, the Ministry of External Affairs and Indian diplomats have to work on such consular issues, trying to ensure the well-being of Indians in other countries, particularly those who have been taken into some kind of custody. Obviously, maybe Ariya Shah is a specific case, but otherwise, what are the other kinds of such cases that they deal with, and sometimes on a daily basis? One, of course, is trespassing, particularly like with fishermen who have been arrested in Pakistan, also Iran, also Sri Lanka. 
India and Pakistan actually have an agreement to exchange lists of all prisoners and fishermen that they have taken from each other's countries every year, twice a year. As of July, there were 343 civilian prisoners, 74 fishermen believed to be Pakistani in Indian custody and Pakistan has shared lists of 42 civilian prisoners and 266 fishermen believed to be Indian. Uh, a second kind of case is of illegal immigrants and those accused of crimes in the country they've traveled to. And according to the latest figures given by the Ministry of External Affairs, there are at least 8,330 Indians in foreign prisons spanning over 90 countries. The largest numbers are in Gulf countries where the largest numbers of Indian NRIs live and work. A third uh, category are those accused of spying, particularly for India. And these at present include two high-profile current cases. One is in Qatar, where eight retired Indian naval officers have been held in a Qatari prison since August 2022, accused of spying. That case is going on, but the government has so far been unable to make any headway in bringing them home as it works its diplomatic channels to try that. Uh, the second case was of, uh, in Pakistan. In 2016, Pakistan arrested Kulbushan Jadhav. He's a retired naval officer from India, based in Iran at the time. He was a businessman. Uh, they said he was spying for India in Balochistan and was awarded the death sentence. There were terror charges against him as well. India holds that he had been kidnapped. It actually went to the International Court of Justice in this one, won a case about the validity, the invalidity of the martial court that had sentenced Jadhav, but has so far made little headway on having him brought back or released. Last month, I asked External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar about what the MEA was doing in both cases and the possibility of a spy swap. Uh, so, as to your question about Kulbushan Yadav and uh, the Qatar case, they're very different cases, first of all. Hmm? I mean, in, in the case of uh, Kulbushan Yadav, uh, you know, our view was that he was uh, uh, kidnapped uh, by the Pakistanis and he's been held in violation of uh, a judgment of the ICJ. Uh, so, I, I think the law is very clear and you know, uh, we have to now see how to take that forward. The uh, Qatar case uh, is different. Uh, my understanding is uh, that uh, there have been three hearings so far. Uh, I think a fourth one is due uh, sometime later uh, this month. Uh, even the full nature of the charges are not entirely clear to us. Uh, but what we are doing is we are giving the strongest possible support to the concerned people, including their legal representation, because we believe that their rights uh, should be fully protected. And, you know, in a, in a situation like this, I think uh, they are entitled to the strongest possible support. Now, your question, will there be any uh, diplomacy around it? Look, I never rule that out. I mean, I, I, even as a general proposition, because as I said, a large part of our outlook today is really, uh, I mean, if Indian citizens are in difficulties of any kind, and these are two very uh, exceptional situations, uh, the, the sort of, I would say it is in the DNA of this government that we should, we should do whatever we can, whether they are Indian students, which was your question, or, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, Indian military officers or, uh, you know, just uh, anybody else or people in the Gulf uh, who often uh, face charges.
And one happy ending amidst all of this was that of a civilian, Hamid Ansari, who was in Pakistani custody for six years. After he was convicted for trespassing illegally and accused of spying, he was actually released in 2018. He completed a fairly short sentence given the nature of the charges. And after interventions by human rights activists, it was considered a humanitarian gesture to send him home as soon as that term was completed. The fourth type of case, exceedingly rare, is of terrorists. Uh, there was particularly a case of a group from Kerala who joined ISIS in Afghanistan in 2016. They traveled all the way there. Now, the men in that group, a few dozen, were, were understood to have died in various operations, but four women, including one who had had a child in Afghanistan, were in custody with the Afghan government. Uh, the Afghan government reached out to India. Indian officials went, interrogated them, spoke to them in 2019. But the government never took a call on whether to bring them back. And then in 2021, when the Taliban took over, the women went missing, haven't been heard of since. In fact, you can hear a podcast about the case, generated a lot of heat as well. Whether India should have taken them back, that podcast at the Hindu as well. A fifth a category is of Indians abroad wanted for crimes in India. Extradition cases, basically, including Nirav Modi, Mehul Choksi, Vijay Malia, uh, and others. We've dealt with this in a previous edition of Worldview, so I won't go for further on this. Uh, but these are the basic five cases diplomats deal with. So what can they do? What are the list of duties for any Indian diplomat uh, in, in all of these cases? One is, of course, basic consular assistance, helping families with meet, uh, to meet the imprisoned Indians, as well as uh, officials going and meeting them in prison and making sure of their welfare. The MEA also runs a website called Madad, M-A-D-A-D, which is a grievance website, as well as an Indian Community Welfare Fund, ICWS, which is used for such cases. Uh, the second part is for diplomats to negotiate for the Indians through diplomatic channels for reduced sentences, uh, less harsh sentences, and early releases. Legal assistance panel of lawyers to take up cases, including at the ICJ. This is also something that Indian embassies do. And then travel assistance for those who complete their sentences to help them get home. Now, India has also signed agreements of what are called transfer of sentenced persons. These are international agreements. And the idea is that if both countries agree, then those people can be transferred back uh, to India or to the country that is signing the agreement in order to serve out their sentences in that country. This takes care of a lot of the cultural differences as well as language problems. India has already signed such bilateral agreements with 31 countries. I think by 2018, since 2018, there have been no new uh, such agreements. In 2014, India also signed the Inter-American Convention on Transfers for all the countries in the two Americas. And then 2018, the Council of Europe Convention on Transfers with European countries as well. Uh, a sixth part, perhaps of their duties, but certainly uh, has been done in the past, is the negotiation of prisoner swaps, exchanges of prisoners uh, between each country, each other's countries. Sometimes this is done for fishermen as a humanitarian gesture. And of course, the US and Russia famously did this for their spies. So what's worldviews take? Eventually, all Indian citizens from an innocent child like baby Ariha those accused of serious crimes, including the former naval officers in prison in Qatar and Pakistan, all are citizens and all are the responsibility of the Indian government. Bringing them home must be a consistent effort with sustained diplomacy and when necessary, 
compromises and a give and take by diplomats and the Ministry of External Affairs. Let's get you some reading recommendations. Uh, there are some different kinds of books for all these different cases. One, of course, is called Hamid, the story of my captivity, survival and freedom. It's written by Hamid Ansari himself, the man who came back from Pakistan, along with famous journalist Geeta Mohan. Uh, the second, The Journey of a Mother by Sagarika Chakrabarti. This is, of course, the, uh, the story of the mother in the Norway case. It's also the subject of the film, uh, which was released recently called Mrs. Chatterjee versus Norway. The third is a more academic book, Contested Coastlines, Fisher Folk, Nations and Borders in South Asia by Charu Gupta and Mukul Sharma. Uh, and this looks at all those different cases that I told you about with fishermen. Uh, then there's a book called India versus UK, the story of an unprecedented diplomatic win by Sayyid Akbaruddin, a former diplomat. It's the story of how an Indian judge was installed at the ICJ, he was voted on uh, at the UN. He ended up playing a major role in the Jadhav case. Uh, there's some books on spy swaps as well, one called literally Spy Swap, The Humiliation of Putin's Intelligence Services by Nigel West, uh, who basically makes the case that it's also the quality of the spies that are being uh, exchange that is important. Another book called Spy Stories by Kathy Scott Clark and Adrian Levy. Uh, they call themselves, in fact, the Gavrilov Channel. Look that up on Google, uh, referring to Russia-US spy swap communications, but talking about relations really between India and Pakistan. Uh, and a book called Bridge of Spies by Giles Whittell, Whittell. Um, next, we come to a few books on fugitives. As I said, we've dealt with this already in a previous episode of Worldview. One's called Flawed by Pavan Lal. This is about Nirav Modi. King Fizzer, The Rise and Fall of Vijay Malia by King Shuknath. Uh, and a book called Escape, True Stories of Indian Fugitives uh, in London. This is by Danish Khan and Ruhi Khan. Uh, so lots of different interesting books to read and many of these are anecdotal. Uh, we hope you read them. We hope you like our video. And if you are on YouTube, please do subscribe to the Hindus channel and read all the transcripts of Worldview on the Hindus website www.thehindu.com. From the team here, thanks for watching.